to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the special edition podcast series with The Navigators. The Navigators are a group of subject matter experts that represent various organizations within the healthcare system whose goals are to increase immunization access and equity by strengthening the partnerships between pharmacy and public health. The Navigators are a group of volunteer subject matter experts across the continuum of healthcare, including pharmacies, state immunization programs, national membership organizations, and much, much more. My name is Vicki Vasiliga, and I will be your host for today's episode with The Navigators. Today, we'll be chatting with Jude Alden, Senior Director of Professional Services at STC Health, and Renee Robinson, Associate Professor at Idaho State University and current President of the Alaska Pharmacists Association. They'll be sharing their experiences with utilizing the Vaccines for Children program to expand the role of the pharmacists in vaccinating the pediatric population. Welcome, ladies. So we did do a brief little intro, but I was wondering if you guys could take a moment and introduce yourselves and tell us what made you interested in the navigators and vaccination and public health. Hi, everyone. My name is Jude Alden, and although I currently work for STC Health, prior to joining this team, I was the immunization unit manager for the state of Wyoming for several years. And then prior to that, I was actually the VFC coordinator in Wyoming as well. And so I had the opportunity in the past to really work closely with national membership organizations as well as the CDC and you know, really trying to maximize the VFC program. So prior to moving here to STC, I was a member of the Navigators from the state public health side. And so when I came over to STC, I was really able to have the opportunity to increase my participation in the Navigator group and really make an impact at a more national scale and build relationships that I didn't have the opportunity to build before. And so that's really how my work began. And my focus primarily was on the public-private relationships in public health. Hi, my name is Renee Robinson. I'm a pediatric pharmacist by training, and I used to be in the public health service, but I'm currently at the university in academia. I was introduced to the Navigators by retired Rear Admiral Pam Schweitzer one of my previous mentors. And it was really this perfect marriage of public health and pharmacy aimed at improving immunization uptake that we were struggling with in Alaska. I always love when pediatric people are on here. I, I too am a pediatric pharmacist by training. <laughs> so I was like, yay! I know there's so few of us. Like, <laughs> So let's start with the basics. Uh, what is the Vaccines for Children's Program? And why is it so important for hospitals, health systems, and community pharmacies to get involved in this program? So the BFC program is one that was established back in the 90s. It is a federally funded program that really is designed to increase vaccine accessibility for children who otherwise may have some obstacles, such as the ability to pay for vaccines. This program, as I said, is federally funded. However, it is distributed through state immunization programs. And the program is operated consistently across the country, which does make it a lot easier to facilitate. The pediatric vaccinations on the VFC formulary are those that are recommended by the ACIP. They're purchased at a significantly reduced price by the federal government, and then again distributed to state health departments and other public health grantees so that they could be administered at no cost to eligible patients. 
approximately 50% of all childhood vaccinations administered are provided through the VFC program, and it's played a significant role in remediating disparities in vaccination rates for all American children. So pharmacists have long been identified by the public as trustworthy sources of health information and health services. And in recent decades, community pharmacies, particularly in underserved urban and rural healthcare settings, have provided vital healthcare services, including immunizations, offering patients extended hours and immediate access in convenient and familiar locations. Despite the positive impact that pharmacists have had on immunizations, a limited number of community pharmacists and pharmacies are able to participate in a number of these federal and state-supported immunization programs at a time. So can you tell me a little bit about what the current relationship between pharmacies and the VSC program looks like? And then maybe can we talk a little bit about what are the opportunities for pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and pharmacies within this program? And then if you could expand a little bit and tell me a little bit more about what it means to be a VFC provider and what it would mean for pharmacies to become VFC providers. Absolutely. And so in looking at the current relationship between pharmacies and the VFC program at a national level, I would describe it as very limited. And that's for a variety of reasons. The VFC program does allow pharmacies to participate in the program. However, the program was designed for traditional healthcare providers, which means that there are a number of obstacles to pharmacy participation. The program requirements of the VFC also do not consider any current compliance activities that pharmacies have in place or that they're already participating in. And so it does kind of result in a lot of additional burden and, and obstacles and time and resources that make it difficult to participate. Although vaccines are amongst the most successful and, and cost-effective preventative measures in history, the vaccine accessibility is really limited because of the lack of participation of pharmacies. And so there is significant room to grow there. The other thing that we have to consider is that every state has different immunization laws around what immunizations and what ages pharmacies can actually administer vaccines to, which is another consideration that can affect their ability to participate in the program. Yes, since 2009, pharmacists in all 50 states have been authorized to provide vaccinations for adults. However, Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, pharmacists in only nine states were permitted to prescribe and administer all childhood vaccines or ACIP recommended vaccinations. Since January or between January and May of 2020, the number of Medicaid and CHIP enrolled children receiving vaccines under two years of age actually declined by more than 30 percent. And pharmacists were among the first healthcare professionals identified for this expanded scope of practice legislation to address this issue of vaccination resources being insufficient. Then in 2020, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services amended the COVID National Emergency Declaration to authorize licensed pharmacists to actually decrease the age barriers associated with the ACIP recommended vaccines so that children ages 3 to 18 were included, eliminating one of the largest barriers for participation in this pediatric vaccination program. However, a number of states actually never had age restrictions on vaccinations. So for example, Alaska, all children are eligible to receive vaccinations by pharmacists. However, they aren't necessarily set up to provide some of these services. So the systems that are allowed within the community pharmacies, space, et cetera, are still remaining a challenge. And so that a number of the doses that could be administered really aren't being administered. 
Yeah, it seems like this would be a win-win situation for public health efforts, you know, especially considering, you know, their hospitals, deserts, small and rural areas, hospitals are closing, and pharmacists tend to be the most accessible healthcare provider for a lot of people. Traditional providers of childhood vaccines, including pediatricians and family medicine providers, have raised concerns about pharmacy-based immunizations. Their concerns are not about the actual administration of the vaccinations, but really about the sharing of information. So having a medical home and um, sharing the information on vaccinations with within state systems so that individuals all across the healthcare system know what vaccinations children have received. One of the intended values of these systems is that the central documentation really helps to communicate this information across different providers. And what we've seen with this COVID response is that pharmacists are actually one of the greatest users, greater than pediatricians, greater than a number of public health providers, in making sure that all of the vaccinations are entered into these systems. And so this data sharing and making sure that everybody is provided this information is already occurring. In addition, another concern about this, making sure that individual children are being followed and that any healthcare concerns are being conveyed to the pediatrician is already part of this Third Amendment, which specifies that pharmacists vaccinating children must inform the patient in healthcare, a healthcare adult caregiver provider accompanying the child in the importance of routine well care visits. And so this constant kind of sharing of information and redirecting the child to the pediatrician or to the family care provider is being done already and is a mandate by these systems. Pharmacists have also really advanced the concept of immunization neighborhood. And so this kind of multi-state stakeholder consortium of individuals, organizations, and agencies all working together is already occurring. And so us being able to share this information is kind of a standard of care already. And then lastly, kind of pharmacists have the ability of absorbing these immunization-related compliance responsibilities. And so we are able to provide these services to children and make sure that this information and is being shared, both the financial and the public health, resulting in the expansion of the VFC, which would far outweigh the costs to implement these changes. Can I add to that one as well? Yeah, of course, please. So I want to add to what Renee said, just really speaking to some of the operational obstacles that are existing. So there really is a lack of clarity and implementation support for state immunization programs when it comes to incorporating pharmacies into the VFC program. As I said before, even though pharmacies are eligible to participate, there's really no support available to states that want to be really proactive and recruit this extra number of pharmacies. As you can imagine, state immunization programs, like many others, are limited in available staff and other resources. Therefore, pharmacy recruitment is, has really not been a priority for most states. The other consideration is that all VFC providers must receive regular compliance visits. So adding a number of pharmacies to this program would then significantly increase the amount of visits a state program must conduct and absorb. And so that really is something that that is concerning because we know that pharmacies already get compliance visits, but this is not something that's taken into consideration. Additional barriers to VFC participation, many of which are not unique to pharmacies, exist around VFC monitoring of temperatures, vaccine storage and handling, having to maintain separate vaccine stock, and then meeting all of the requirements that are part of the VFC program. Now, that being said, there are clauses in the VFC program operations 
that do allow for a little bit easier management of these things, but they're almost discouraged against to, to put into place the concern really being able to maintain a dose level accountability, but pharmacies have been doing this for all medications for a very long time. So this is not something that they are not skilled and knowledgeable about. Yeah, sometimes they're actually requiring them to actually have different storage freezers and refrigerators to have it separate, which makes no sense when we're already utilizing these We already have processes in place that allow for the safe storage and administration of vaccinations. So the requirements of additional refrigerators and freezers add to the cost. And then when you're looking at cost in itself, the reimbursement isn't necessarily um, equivalent. And so the VFC does provide the vaccine, but how pediatricians and family medicine providers are able to justify or to able to sustain um, providing these services is because they charge for the visits. And so when pharmacies can't charge for the visits or have not been historically allowed to charge for the visits, they can't recoup the costs of the needles, the syringes, you know, all the things that are required to actually administer it as well as the time. And so it's really not a sustainable practice unless some of the changes you know, occur or that they're able to bill for non-dispensing medical services provided as well as the actual being provided the immunizations or the vaccines. And so essentially what it comes down to is the VFC program was not originally designed with consideration of pharmacy operations or practices. And the majority of the requirements that exist today, although top top notch, I will give them that, <laughs> really don't take into consideration all of the work that pharmacies do around compliance already. And there's just so many different external factors like reimbursement and immunization laws that, that are an obstacle. And so we really need to start pulling in pharmacies into this program. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to say that it's not about profit, we're looking at just actually covering costs associated with the administration. So this isn't looking at at a new funding stream. It's looking at can we afford to provide these kids, the most at need kids from underserved and under-resourced communities with the vaccines that they need. And, and if you're losing money on each time you're providing this vaccine, it's not going to be sustainable or possible to continue providing that. You know, I like that you guys like mentioned things like interoperability and one that pharmacists are really good rule followers <laughs> and, and have are great at like documenting things. You know, something that comes to mind for me is like the PDMP program for across different states, for example, and just even storage of like you know specialty drugs, things just needing different storage. It's something that we're already pretty good at for the most part. They're probably other places where there is that cost we need to incur. But my question for you is, so if you already have this set up or you're, you know, 95% of the way there, what advice do you have for hospitals, health systems, and community pharmacies who wish to be a part of the VSC program? The best advice that I could give to really any healthcare provider, you know, specifically pharmacies, uh, when it comes to the VFC program is to really build that relationship with your state immunization program, your Medicaid office, all of those, because together you all can be advocates 
for change of this program that although it's it's served us very well, it's made a significant impact, we needed to survive and to have an impact over the next 20 or 30 years, if not longer, and that means change. And so reach out to your state immunization programs, schedule meetings, have discussions, you know, get on the same page, and then also reach out to your immunization consortiums that are in your states you know, really partner with those advocacy groups like the Navigators or others in order to help move this effort. So what recommendations do you have for pharmacy organizations and the pharmacy workforce in general to address these barriers? We did talk about reaching out to interdisciplinary groups, but is there anything else that you would recommend to our listeners to help engage them with the Vaccine for Children's program? Sure. And so I'd really like to talk about, there's really three points or three things to kind of focus on. Number one is we really need to make pharmacists and pharmacies eligible to participate in VFC programs in all jurisdictions so that all states recognize and provide supports and services in order to ensure that VFC programs and pharmacies can naturally coexist. Number two is to really modernize and standardize the VFC administration and operational kind of processes. So we need to work with the VFC program in order to make sure that it really works for pharmacies as well. And so how can we make sure that implementation, storage, handling, compliance requirements align with what is the reality of today's practice? Because each system isn't necessarily going to be equivalent, and we really need to look at how can we expand those services. And then Kind of with the expiration of the Third Amendment, um, we really need to make sure that pharmacists are advocating for those changes on a legislative level in order to make sure that these vaccination programs, as well as kind of vaccination services, are continuing post-pandemic. And so that all children are still going to be eligible and all pharmacists are still going to be able to provide those vaccinations for those children. So before we wrap up this episode, do you guys have any last thoughts on the expansion of pharmacy's role in public vaccine delivery to children? I would like to really encourage state immunization programs, as well as the CDC, to very seriously consider the future of the VFC program. The program has been highly successful. However, with the various events that have happened in our country over the last few years, we continue to see a decline in immunizations across the board. And the reality is that we cannot keep doing the same thing. Uh, it really is time to think outside the box and, and try something completely different. And that really means looking for non-traditional providers to really help expand the capabilities of this, as well as other publicly funded vaccine programs. Because we do know that states have a variety of adult funded programs as well. And it's also important to include pharmacies and non-traditional providers in those. Uh, I, I guess I would probably end by saying lead the change. I know you're busy state programs. I know firsthand <laughs> how busy and, and how challenging the day-to-day -day is, but lead the change, work within your consortiums and your adv advocacy groups, work with your state partners and really just gather the support you need in order to make an impact on this and all other vaccine programs. So we can really see the increase in coverage rates that we need to see. That was perfect, Jude. The only other thing I'll just add is that really the expansion of pharmacy's role in public vaccine delivery to children's is really the way that we're actually gonna address the health equity concerns that still exist across the country today. And that we have to look at 
expanding services in any way that we can to make healthcare accessible to all. And so we've seen it with telehealth and we've seen it with a lot of the changes that have happened within the pandemic that, you know, before we said that those things weren't possible and now we've seen they are possible. And before we didn't have pharmacists leading the charge of vaccines, but now we've seen them lead the charge in vaccinations. And so we've noticed a problem um, and we've noticed the decline in vaccinations and we've noticed that there's there's definitely a need and that individuals who have families and multiple children can't take off you know, work for, you know, six, seven, eight visits within a short period of time in order to get those vaccines. And so accessibility of pharmacies is really this answer to to kind of ensuring that children have a fighting chance. My favorite thing always is, I had a provider always tell me, if there's a problem, you give it to a pharmacist because they'll fix the problem. Judith Renee, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss the Vaccines for Children's program, your experiences, and the navigators' efforts to provide pharmacists and healthcare provide other healthcare providers with the most up-to-date lessons learned and resources. Be sure to subscribe as we'll be hearing more from this series in the navigators at ASHP Official. Thank you so much, Vicki. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.